If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Welcome back to the Change Physician. That's a new word. (laughs) I'm Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor. I'm obviously challenged right there. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, on the West Coast, Um, although that is a fabricated ocean. Which ocean is that? How do you how do you know that's fabricated? Because between it's, your bald head and your ear or headphones is an image that's not there. Uh-uh. I, I this is what I wear to the beach. <laughs> this is my beach attire. So you have um, some kind of foam that sits there in between your headpiece and your bald head. Yeah, is that I, what that is? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 not getting a notice. Are we live? Yes. I'm not, I'm, I usually get a notice that says, like that you're that we're doing something oh i don't know if zoom changed something where it doesn't do that to you but no it's probably facebook just to make it more difficult as usual right i don't know Uh, usually the notices from me are zoom we're going live and then it's funneled into facebook so i don't think it's a facebook thing no well when i so when we we um like okay when we usually log on i'll just refresh and then uh and then I can, and, and then I, I'll, I'll like refresh it, refresh it. And it'll say, oh, there's a little notification that says, oh, the change position is streaming. And so then I can just oh. do it directly to, um, you know, whatever. But now right. I wasn't getting a notice. So it's just trying to, it's just trying to be difficult. Well, you know, I'm why sure would, why people would don't want to hear it? about this technical stuff. They do want to hear about it. That's what they're most interested in. Yes. Mm. Is all, well, anyway, go ahead. No, is there anything exciting uh, over the last uh, week or two since we kind of took a little brief break uh, last weekend? Well, there is exciting stuff, but now I have to get go through Facebook and get it all out in there. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now, um, what 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 happened this year? So we missed last week. I was out of town, mm-hmm. um, which i was presenting at the the first utah pain summit which was pretty fun yeah it was it was fun i i um i haven't i've been to salt lake i don't know two or three times never a long they're always short visits but i like salt lake it's kind of a um it's really easy to get around that's probably one of the reasons i like it the most Mm -hmm. and um and the airport's pretty, they've read the airport since the last time I've been there is like beautiful. I think the last time we were there was pre pandemic and it was not, it was kind of, it was just, it wasn't a great airport. Now it's pretty nice. And then there's the, um, they have a light rail that goes directly from the airport straight downtown, which is super, super convenient and stayed at the Hyatt Regency down there. It was fun. And, uh, I think the talk went well and yeah, it was a pleasant little, it was a fun little thing. It was fun. So that was, that was my weekend and then come back and here. So okay. Very cool. it was, inter- it was interesting. Cause I flew out on, I flew out fr- early Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, we have a little regional airport. That's about uh, an hour South of us, which I absolutely love. Like if I don't have to fly out of Portland, I love Portland too. Portland airport is really good. It's just a pain in the butt to drive two hours to get there. Yeah. Um, but so we left really, really early on Friday 
And then it just seemed like I was gone forever, even though I got back on Sunday. So it was like, it was, it was only like four days I was not doing stuff, but it felt like a, I don't know, a week or two weeks. It was really weird. But yeah, fun. What what exactly did you present? Pain. It's always pain, man. Like stress, uh, pain, your, your, my intro thing, you know, that's, I've probably done variants of that talk over, I don't know, two, three, maybe 400 times. I mean, it's a lot and it's, mm -hmm. it, it's simply trying to get people to understand that how we think and treat pain is inconsistent with what the science of pain says. Uh, and then once you kind of really shift, if you can develop that mind shift and actually kind of think and, and sort of up to date pain science terms, uh, all these failures that we have make a lot of sense. Like, why is it that the prevalence rate of chronic pain has not changed despite spending upwards yeah. of, you know, $600 billion a year on the treatment of pain, depending on what numbers you're looking at. Uh, and it's just stays exactly the same. And, and then, you know, it just, it just drives me, it, it drives me crazy. If you have something and you say you're treating it and it doesn't change ever, then you either don't know what you're treating or you're treating it the wrong way or both. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, it's just really hard for people to kind of wrap that part out. And then, you know, we got, and there's no financial incentive for, for anybody to treat pain in the right way. Uh, it makes no financial sense at all. So anyway. Yeah. Well, that's why I was surprised um, uh, to hear that you went to a conference to present because I know that this has been. They invited uh, me. Yeah, they they had asked me to come. And so um, so I did it. And then I, I'm only going to no, I have another talk next week, but I'll be doing that one virtually. And then I will be presenting in October for the Oregon Pain Summit. Um, but I've slowed down a ton. I mean, you know, yeah. I've slowed down a ton. And I, so I'm only like, I don't advertise. I don't solicit. I, I, yeah. I turned down another one. I was going to, um, that was supposed to be in June. I just turned that one down. I'm definitely going to do it. So, yeah. yeah. I know that both of us have struggled with that, that, you know, moral sense of moral obligation to make a difference and, and our passion behind it yet there's no financial real gain from that. And and not that we would do it only because of finances, but it's, it's also the complexity of people having a hard time wrapping their head around it. And they just sometimes look at you like you're the crazy one. Well, and this is relevant. This is relevant actually to the practice of medicine period is if there's no reason to kill yourself trying to save people. If no one is wanting to be saved. Right? right. It's like the whole thing. Like, you know, someone falls into the, the pool. If you jump in and you don't know how to swim and you don't have the skill set, you're not supposed to do that. Because you are now um, at greater risk of harm, you could possibly die, and you could both die in the in the process of that. And if you are in the in a situation where maybe you are rescuing somebody, and then it becomes to the point where you are now at risk yourself, you need to stand back and like reassess the situation. And that's really what it has come down to is um, it 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 was taking a significant toll on me. And yeah. certainly a significant toll. Um, I mean, my family didn't notice it, but I mean, it, it was taking some family toll and it was just, you have to make a choice uh, on what you're going to do, what you're going to do next. And I kind of, there's, um, I will often introduce in a lot of my lectures, the, the Ignacio wise, most people from medical school, you learned about it with, with hygiene and washing your hands. Cause you had like the first kind of studies on that. Um, 
and the tragedy with with Semmelweis obviously is he got so irate and so upset because they were killing all these pregnant women by not washing hands and nobody was listening to him that he literally drove himself crazy and um died in an insane asylum he wasn't crazy in the insane asylum they involuntarily committed him because he kept saying that they were killing people and then they beat him and he developed sepsis and died um so if i was kind of and then you know 20 30 years later they're like oh some of this was a great guy blah you tried to do all this stuff uh but then con uh, contrasted with oliver wendell holmes who was also a physician and also published that we were doing obstetrics wrong and killing people and he, instead of hand washing, was much more they because again, this is pre-germ theory, so they didn't know all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But he actually recommended they sterilize all instruments between cases, burn your clothes between patients. So you're literally he was like doing the full, like mm -hmm. hardcore scrub down thing. Yeah. Um, and got in some big disagreements with some prominent obstetricians at the time, but very calmly just backed off and and just kept saying, This is wrong, but he didn't kill himself like he went i mean he was also this his very prominent wealthy family and did all this stuff and i think his either his dad his son or grandson was a supreme court justice so kind of a mm -hmm. north 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 england kind of thing but or new england kind of thing and he um the long story short is he basically is like i'm not going to fight this losing battle i'm not going to compromise my values right but i'm just going to say what i'm going to say but i'm not going to like kill myself because people are not willing to change right um and I, I don't know, I've kind of thought about that quite a bit. I definitely, not to say, I mean, I'm nowhere near, obviously, like a brilliant person, like either Semmelweis or Oliver Wendell Holmes, but I'm not going to kill myself. That's, I, I'm simply not going to do it. <laughs> why, would you, why would you say you're less than them? Ah, because I'm just some little dude out in the middle of nowhere, you know? I don't, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the imposter syndrome, right? Where we're like, oh, the people in the ivory tower know so much. And then you see yeah. what, they, and they're like, no, they just practice in the ivory tower. They don't really know anything more than, really anybody or yeah. less um but you know that's my my little uh whatever you call it imposter belief in there yeah well because it's not like i'm publishing papers or doing any of the stuff that people think oh yeah. you need 65 different publications eh, whatever yeah and then people are pumping out stuff that's not good junk oh my god yeah that's a whole other topic the yes. junk publications yeah oh. but it, it's so hard like knowing that's I think the dilemma of the next hundred years is what's the truth and and what you just specified is uh, how beliefs and truths uh, get very confusing. Um, you know, people later thought Semmelweis was amazing and brilliant, yet he was you know totally vilified and yeah involuntarily yeah, like, committed. Yeah, like look, our humans, like what we do to people, like it, the the strength of beliefs and the cognitive dissonance of trying to understand this other concept that was way beyond their comprehension it seemed like you know witchcraft kind of stuff in a way well except uh, for the fact people instead of unlike witchcraft people survived when you did what he said yeah, and died exactly. when you didn't huh, that's a little weird but maybe oh, we should step back makes me feel bad oh you're saying my hands are dirty like some common field laborer and i'm a physician so you're obviously wrong even though my patients keep dying Hmm, what do yeah. I have to change? Oh, my behaviors and my beliefs to actually save my patients or keep them and just kill people because it's easier for me to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's... just just like, you know, there there's still to this day exists, um, and just I'll speak generally, that there, you know, you hear patients who just undergo surgery and they have this belief that this is a cleaner body of water. I can get in it um than this other body, but they're all public. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, and hence the increased odds of infection rates. So um, it's it's knowledge is power. Unfortunately, not everyone has the knowledge they need to to really or the willingness to question their beliefs. But that's for another well, and, topic. Well, I, I, I didn't roll on onto it. I think there's yeah. a difference between data and no data. Mm hmm. You know, and we we've talked a little bit about publication. We just talk about public junk publications and things like that. But but reality is, if there's data, trust the data versus the person. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just get reminded of that because again, I kind of go around these physician forums and see this stuff, and it's just fine if someone posts something, and then they're like, "That is not true." And why did you bring this up? This politics. And finally, well, someone will put actual data. And then they still like, that's not true. I'm like, well, then you need to counter that data with your own data yeah. because um, other than saying, I just don't believe it's true is not a reason. Right. And I think that was, um, I'm always, I'm, I'm like very, very grateful. I went to medical school and I did my training and did all that stuff, despite, you know, medicine being what it is and all the things when it comes to particularly for pain. But the one thing it has made me do is, is I am, I used to be very much like this intuitive and if, if it felt right and what might, you know, go with your beliefs and go with your gut, all that kind of BS. And um, I am not that way anymore. Like I, you will, I want to go with my gut, but I am so um, I'll say skeptical now that where most people will trust their gut and then potentially look at data. I will look at my gut and then look at the data and then revise appropriately from there. Because I, because guts are so wrong and our beliefs are so wrong that without some true, like objective evidence, it becomes, it is so easy to make bad decisions and it's so easy to fall on this thing. Well, that's not true. Or my beliefs are right. And, um, yeah, it, it, and it just, I don't know, it just, and we're, as physicians, we're supposed to do that, right? We're supposed to be looking at evidence and we're supposed to be looking at data and we're supposed to be making decisions on that. And the sad thing is, is most of us aren't. Uh, most of us are trusting our guts and trusting what we're trained and we ignore it. And um, I don't know, it's sad to see. I, I really wish if, if, if just look at, look at data and you know, Grant, you can come to two different opinions on what the data may say, mm -hmm. but you should both agree that the data is there at least present. Like, you know, if it's nine, if you're going to say it's a six or a five or a four, then we're, we have a big, 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 big problem. And I kind of, there's probably areas of that in this country that we're like that now, um, but in general, we should, if we can actually look at the data and, and agree what, you know, these, the data pieces are, then we can at least have really honest and probably worthwhile discussions about what that actually means. So anyway. I'm curious what you think, um, because I feel like family, friends, patients, whoever, I find that the the power of what you're taught by your own mother is pretty hard to get them to change their like beliefs about like when they're out in the cold with wet hair or they're out in the cold and they're going to get sick. I, unless you've seen data, I mean, I know that there's some increased odds of presence. Uh, you know, people are indoors when it's cold and they can pass and transmit things. But people never talk about when they say that, I'm like, just, you need a microbe. You need some kind of thing that infects you to get sick, like a virus. Like it, it's almost like they don't want to hear it. I'm like, so how, how is this? possible. So I'm curious if there's data that I'm ignoring, Kevin, that I should believe that if I go outside with wet hair or just out in the cold, that I'm going to get a cold. 
Well, I'm I'm gonna say I have not actually. The first thing I would do is I would start googling and I would go <laughs> do an, I would do a PubMed <laughs> search. I'm I'm sure that they've done it, and I and I want to say that there have been some studies because what I think it really comes down to is, and, and this is just me. Like again, I'm this is not necessarily factual, but this is hypothesis here. But I think I remember reading something about like um, or thinking about this in the way of a a stressor. And if you, instead of actually being cold, making you sick, it may actually compromise you because there's an extra effort on keeping your body warm that your immune function may decrease. But and now I you think, go look it up. So Right. And so that's yeah. the question. Is it correlation and not causation by, you know, the nature? Oh, yeah, of yeah. But your nature is there has to be a, there has to be something. If the virus isn't yeah. there and, or there isn't something on your skin, or there's not something. I mean, something. we're always being inundated by things that are trying to attack us. I mean, yeah. That's. I mean, that's another like bodies are super cool. And we got all this stuff like skin to keep things up. And we got this pit of fire in our stomach that keeps stuff, it burns them up when they come through the mouth and, you know, one way valves. So things aren't supposed to creep in in different directions. And the body is awesome, yeah. but it's, it's designed like this super fortress thing, but you know, you compromise yeah. it and things happen. Absolutely. Well, you know, we just jumped in and like just started talking about random stuff, but you know, Saturday salutations, <laughs> if you're curious what the heck you're watching, you know, especially if you're on my challenge doctor site, this is the change physician. Um, and we do these Saturday salutations for Kevin and I to say hi, but to share what's been going on in the podcast. So I should probably just allude to what's happened in the last uh, couple weeks here since uh, we've had two Thursday throwbacks, which are replays from our very first hundred or so of our episodes, especially with interviews uh, with others. Um, let's see, we are now at the 27th. So Kevin and I did an episode uh, on the 14th of May, episode 249, Life Lessons from a Thousand Years, taken from Sahil Bloom. He has his own newsletter and website. Um, and then we did two Thursday throwbacks. We took a little hiatus this past Sunday, but we had Dr. Michael Hawkman uh, on Slow Medicine, Healthy Skeptic MD um, that we replayed. And then Nithya, Nithya Natrogen, I cannot remember how to say, I think I said that right. Um, she's a family medicine physician who's got into lactation counseling. So a really unique uh, interplay of her own experiences and wanting to help others. Um, any comments about any of those, Kevin? Oh, uh, not, not too much. I mean, um, the, the slow medicine was kind of an interesting thing. Cause that's another thing that doesn't get a lot of traction, even though it makes a lot of sense. Like, mm -hmm. uh, that's basically the idea is instead of looking to intervene, you really look and then see if, think if something is appropriate versus the opposite, right. uh, which is really, I mean, people are, Oh, my doctor didn't do anything, but that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Like, honestly, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you you want to go to the person who's not going to do anything on 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 to you, rather the person who's going to be every time you walk in, you get a new pill prescribed or a new procedure recommended or whatever. And yeah. some people want that, but it's not good medicine anyway. So I like that was a good conversation. And um, then lactation was kind of interesting because so much of these things that that are biological and we've sort of medicalized over the time. I mean, I think there was a long period of time, not recently, where doctors were directing, not recommending um, breastfeeding. I mean, it was 40 years ago, 50 years it's ago. It's crazy. That's freaking nuts. Yeah. I mean, look how we've survived for eons. <laughs> like, oh my God, where do we, and, and, and we do this though. I mean, 
some new thing comes up and then they make up this nonsense. I was actually just talking about this with um, my family about things like, like this whole idea of, of flat fee and, uh, and a lot of these structural and this comes into the pain thing, right? People will have a pain and then they want to do this, this biomechanical belief about what, that it is a causative factor. Right. Yeah. Um, and we won't, we've actually talked about pain in previous ones, but it's not just one. There's a bunch of things that go together to construct an experience. Just like, you know, love doesn't ooze out of your heart. And it's the reason why that if you have a heart transplant, you still love your spouse and you don't all of a sudden love somebody else. I mean, seriously, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's insane. Um, but, but, you know, we've been walking on our feet for millennia. Yeah. And then suddenly we don't know anything about like all these, all these natural variations and arches are pathological. Come, I mean, come on. I mean, it, yeah, whatever. If you break your foot and maybe you have a traumatic fracture and now you have totally all suddenly altered anatomy, that's one thing, yeah. but a natural variant that, that is, um, come on. And I, because I, I had looked up stuff on this once about like the advent of all this arch stuff. And I don't think foot problems have decreased in the slightest. And I would argue probably because we have more surgeons is that we probably have more foot and ankle surgery now than ever before. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that we haven't impacted anything when it comes to foot and ankle pain, at least the persistent stuff. That's not like you just broke your foot. Um, but man, it's so easy to pathologize, pathologize things, particularly if we have something else that's going to pay to patholog pathologize that variant. That, that's that's a rough word right there. It is a rough word. It's one of many <laughs> rough words that I've struggled with, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of um, uh, sharing something. No, don't no. overshare. We don't want to overshare. No oversharing. <laughs> Please do. Um, let's see here. I'm going to show you some cool thing here first i'm going to share um i actually had and i'm not like a big flower girl like in the essence uh, or the sense of like i have to have flowers it's just i it is cool to have a lot of color pop in the garden or the yard and make it look nice uh, but i tend to go for like functional like edible stuff i don't know just probably my pragmatic side of me um, edible food or edible plants i should say Ed edible food. did i say oh, edible yeah. food no i did but that was oh, pretty okay. dumb <laughs> edible I was like, food well, there versus non-edible food. Yeah. <laughs> there is some food that's probably not great for you. Um, let me share my screen. So do you know what this is? I had a friend tell me what they are because it's the first time since I've been in this home for over 10 years. Those that... look like lilacs. So apparently I think they're gladiolas. Okay. I wouldn't, uh, yeah. Don't trust me on uh I wonder if they're related to lilacs though. Cause the, I mean, the lilacs typically are at the end of the sprout, but they have a very similar flower structure to that. Mm. Um, gladiolus. Here's the close up. Can you eat them? Those are very pretty. I actually think those are prettier than iris. Yeah. The, they're complementary colors too, purple and yellow. Where do, they, do those only grow in hot, horrible places like where you are, or does those grow in uh, nice places with water? Let's see. Gladiolus uh, growing region. I will tell you what it is. I don't Those know exactly pretty. what your region is, but uh, standards, uh, they're hardy in zones 8 to 10, can be grown in annuals in zones 7 and colder. Oh, oh. Uh, the hardy ones are a little bit smaller. Anyway, oh, if you have them in zones 5 and H, 5 and H, 5 and 8. Um, 
We're zone eight B. They're well munched. Uh, munch, munched. <laughs> We're well munched. Well munched. <laughs> so much for my be able to speak today. Um, I'm like looking at the word and reading something else, and I think I'm mixing the words. Um, what were you saying, Kevin? Uh, we're zone eight B. Yeah, we're eight B. You are too. Yeah, which is really strange. That's really weird. But it probably depends on the way the season each year, because I I feel like it changes. Mm. But here is um, this one is coming back from last year. It's not fully opened up, but this is. Uh, let's see if you can figure out that one. Um, oh, this is this is what uh, name your identify plant? the <laughs> name, name this plant. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, is um. That is the uh, the fuchsia fuchsia hued star plant native to Southeast Asia. So it's gonna be it's a cone flower. Oh, I was close. Um, which is all also called echinacea. Oh, echinacea. Yeah. yeah. So I have several of these. I probably have like four. This five. is stuff you you make the tea for when you go outside with your head cold or Speaking with your of head colds. Wet. Yeah. Um, so I actually have tons of seeds. I'm actually going to go ahead and plant a whole bunch of these. Um, may just throw some out this year and see what happens, but, um, usually I'll start them inside in the sunroom, but we'll see how hardy they are, but they, um, they come back and, uh, they'll, they'll definitely die down during the winter and then they'll come back pretty, pretty robustly. I think. How's your low quad doing? So those died off because they had too much stress and lots of freezes and stuff, oh, but I didn't mulch them out great and um, so I failed them. However, I bought two loquats from our grocery store. Um, if they can survive the grocery store environment, um, not to say that they're doing a bad job, but they're literally around the corner and it's the price is tougher. <laughs> when they hardier. plants that come out of the grocery store, are like, you know, they're all muscular and they got like <laughs> leather tat you know, tattoos and they're, yeah, yeah they're survivors. <laughs> you probably got yeah. the little hardy ones that, yeah. the, you know, the, the first low clots that you bought were, you know, probably, you know, a little tiny neat and they were probably very polite in your yard and you're, you know, they got ganged up on. Well, one of them, you know, was it was a native. It, it somehow probably a squirrel emitted the seed somewhere, mm. and um, it grew right next to a huge cedar and wasn't going to really thrive there in the shade. So I decided to cut it out and I ripped some of the roots because it was sprawling everywhere. Planted it and it survived. And then the bad freezes and winters happened twice. It survived the first one anyway. It, it did pretty well considering I demolished it, um, but. Uh, uh, I did get two and I just planted those a couple weeks ago. So, um, and I've got bubblers right there. So it'll hopefully be getting uh, consistent watering um, from me. But here is the, my last share. And can you see that? Oh, those are your owls. Those are the yeah. owlets. Oh, look at those little. Oh. Yeah. Here it comes look again. A little 10 second thing. That's the mom. Yeah, mom or dad, I guess. But they uh, they left the nest a few days ago. Wow. Yep. So I'm going to make a little trailer of all the best bits and pieces of photos and videos I got. But that's a wildlife camera. For those of you, you can easily find one on Amazon. And you can, it's a solar powered one. It wasn't that expensive. And you solar powered and battery backup. 
So um, Does it, you can, do you stream it from your phone or something? Or no, I didn't work? get the. I, I didn't go for the more expensive ones that do that. I just mm -hmm. put it on the opposite trunk and faced it towards it, and strapped it onto the trunk, and uh, um, just pulled it down every day and put it back up after I downloaded some stuff. Hmm. So it's actually pretty easy. I'm probably going to use it near the bird feeder and other stuff just for fun. Um, but uh, yeah, that. Those are pretty cool. The the little red lights turn on when it senses motion, so it's not really that bright. Hmm. Um, so they didn't seem to mind it too much. But yeah, uh, so motion controlled, so it isn't on all the time. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what they do with a lot of the wildlife kind of camera stuff, but well, I keep thinking about just having cameras like external cameras. Um, I mean, not like we have. We live in Corvallis. Corvallis doesn't have lots of anything, but um, yeah. Anything that makes your house less of a thing. We're usually yeah. here all the time, but I think, I don't know. It's a little nice bit of a deterrent. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. And uh, we, when the police did their thingy last fall, they mm -hmm. came by with, you know, meet the police, you know, then they talked about stuff like, because that's the one crime I guess we have is property crime. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, make your house don't look like a target. So make sure that the doors are locked and, you know if you have cameras and things are well lit then people don't target your home yeah so. it's kind of like when you walk out of a grocery store and you go into your car you need to look like the woman that's really looking paying attention with yes. a sense of purpose and hyper vigilance to me it's no different than having your house look like it's on the lookout yep. um totally agree. you know it's no different but totally um, agree. i'm kind of a freak about that like i i i have multiple ways to let people know that they're getting watched in your house um, so, so you don't got your try screech it. owls you're like Rah! <laughs> you got tax screech owls you've been you don't training. know how you're going to be watched i have quite a few <laughs> methods um yeah what was the other thing i was gonna say uh um yeah i don't think that's going to get any better honestly i feel like from an economy standpoint um i could be totally wrong but i feel like people are and even in our neighborhood like some people one person had their car stolen this is like you know, decent neighborhood. Um, people had stolen stuff out, out of their car, but actually car stolen, like mm -hmm. the audacity of people to do this stuff. Um, my well, we husband have a stressed society. Yes. And the, the factors that are involved with, um, with, with this kind of growing inequities that we have are not going away. Actually, I was talking to my wife about this earlier too, is the fact that we have no meaningful action. And I don't think there's anybody, there's no political will to do it. And I think modern society doesn't under stress trauma, doesn't like doesn't understand trauma and believes, you know, like homelessness is, uh, is because people just want to be homeless and they just like doing drugs versus, you know. Um, no, they're coping, trying to cope and. And yeah, so it's not. And so I agree. I mean, we, it, it's sad, but you kind of have to start becoming more aware because i do think there's gonna there's a, a possible you know i have a family member this just absolutely kills me mm. for 40 years you know and they've done very very well for themselves and they're like oh you need to live in a gated community basically to keep the rip rat file and they've been saying this for 40 years because the only way you're safe is in a gated community right because otherwise which is kind of funny because this gated community that they live in had been burglarized multiple times by the kids that lived in the bowl in the yeah. in the gated community yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, well, if you see that society is going in such a way that that's your answer, 
then maybe you should start looking into how we could stop that because there's a lot of communities in this world that you don't have to live in gated communities like a third world nation. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, they're, they're, keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Like it's the way to do it is, um, you know, keep voting in the same way and, and, and then and eventually you get what you want, right? You're going to be in a place where you may have to live in a gated community. Like, I don't hope it ever gets to that point for the majority, but uh, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. Um, yeah. Well, anyway. as they say, sometimes like the middle class is getting smaller. There's just huge discrepancies from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So people take care of yourself <laughs> and <laughs> recognize that we get micro traumas every day and that they're impacting our overall well-being and um we got to look out for each other and be kind. And um, I don't know what other kind of words of wisdom other than I, I used to kind of laugh when people said, we just need to love on each other. And I thought it was so oversimplified, but I start thinking about, it, I'm like, yeah, we just need to stop being so damn greedy and like look out for each other. And, and, and not that I'm a hundred percent great at that. We can very easily get in our selfish worlds, but you know, if you are going to be isolating yourself, like just be good to each other and realize we all have our struggles and, you know, try not to over, over judge people, you know, and, um, you don't know their story and the walk they've had to go through. And, you know, the moment you think they're doing something for a certain reason, you're probably wrong <laughs> or you might be right, but still like we all have our struggles, but anything you'd like to add to that, Kevin, before you take us out? No, I would just totally agree. I was, I was trying to think, what is it? Be excellent to each other, right? That's Bill and Ted. No, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent dude. Uh, there was two of them, right? What was there? It was And party on, dude. I party mean, on, that's dude. really, yeah. Be excellent to each other and party on, dude. Uh, it's kind of the way. And yeah. I mean, give people safe communities and safe communities create safe individuals and safe individuals are stable individuals and stable individuals are good societal members. And if we're not willing to do that, when we have unsafe communities, we're going to do this. We're going to end up, yeah, we're going to end up in a very unsafe, unsafe nation. So yeah. anyway, anyway, though, so for everybody out there, this is a Saturday salutations. It was a little bit more than just a simple Saturday salutations, but of course it's Memorial Day's weekend. So we had to talk right. more. Um, I'm going to go back to enjoying my Island uh, extravaganza that I am, that Melissa doesn't believe that I'm sitting here <laughs> on the South Seas Island, you know, with you my enjoy satellite thing. Yeah, I do. Um, as always, you can join us on most Saturdays or Sundays, generally Saturdays here on Facebook for Facebook live, or you can catch the channel on YouTube at the change physician. And you can also join the community at thechangephysician.com. And until next time, stay well. Take care. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.